Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Stay Healthy Knoxville podcast, brought to you by Simply Physio, aimed at helping you live an enjoyable, fit, and healthy life in and around our community of Knoxville, Tennessee. And now, here is your host, Dr. John Mark Chesney. All right, Dr. John Mark Chesney here, and I'm happy to have Dr. Mark McCall uh, as my guest today, and we're going to be talking uh, direct primary care and uh, and some uh, things related to direct primary care. So welcome. Thank you. I'm Dr. super McCall. happy to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, no problem. No problem. Um, well, just uh, really to, to get started um, with with uh, why don't, if you want to explain to the audience, there's probably um, varying levels of understanding or maybe people that have never heard what direct primary care is. Sure. If you just want to give them like your, what you would explain to somebody that you're you know, talking to on the a neighbor at a party sure. or somewhere, explain yeah. what it is. Yeah. So direct primary care is sort of a new take on an old concept, and it's a relatively new name. But the idea behind it is to step back and restore the patient-physician relationship and kind of cut away all the barriers, cut away all the middlemen that get in the way to good care. So whether that's, uh, you know, trouble to get through the front office to get a message to the doctor or the administration or insurance saying you can and cannot do these certain things or, or reimbursements or all these other sorts of stuff that get in the way, we want to cut all that away and let a patient pick a doctor they trust and work with them. It's really that simple. Mm. And in doing so, when we cut all that extraneous stuff out, it's in the financial model, it becomes extraordinarily cheap. So one of the ways that we do this is uh, we do this through a membership model. And so uh, for our practice, it practices across the country vary, but they're relatively inexpensive. So for us, uh, our, all our memberships are month to month. There's never a long-term contract because we want patients to stay engaged as long as they want to be engaged. And um, we want the incentive to be there to take care of them for the long term. As long as we're providing good care, they can stay a member. They don't need us and they want to move on. That's great. It makes it very straightforward. But um, our memberships are, uh, kids are $29 a month. Uh, uh, young adults are 59. Uh, older adults are 69. And seniors are $99 a month. And what that includes is all your visits. There's no, no per visit cost. There's no cost to call me. There's no cost to email me. All of my patients have my email address and they call me directly at the office. So during the business day, I'm on the phone all the time. I'm answering emails all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, as a practice, we've had somebody on call 24 hours a day for the last 25 years. So that's, that's really nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is they can reach me, you know, and, uh, and we can have a conversation. And generally, if, and often I answer the phone, I can answer the phone and solve Mrs. White's problem in about 30 seconds usually. Mm-hmm. And it's not phone tag all day to figure out what do we do, when do we need to do this and that. And, and it's just built into the system to strip away all the barriers that hinder good patient care. Mm-hmm. Uh, so included in that, we do, you know, all of our visits are free. There's no cost to them, phone calls, emails. Most of our labs are included with it. So most of the basic labs that we would need to manage somebody's health, like checking on blood sugar or cholesterol or A1C or kidney function, mm-hmm. all that stuff's built into it. So I, I don't want to have to go, you know, chasing dimes and quarters here and there because this stuff is super inexpensive. Um, and in doing so, we're able to bring, because there's no markup on things and there's, it's all minimal cost coverage, we're usually able to reduce cost of uh, most of the services by 60 to 90%. So mm-hmm. anything that's not covered by membership, um, it's pretty cheap. So for instance, uh, Recently, I saw an EOB from a patient. Uh, she had a standard a TSH, a standard thyroid test. Right. $75 was the charge. And mm-hmm. so that would have been her cash price. 
our cash price is 270. Uh, and in fact, we don't even charge for TSHs. We do a couple of those for free per year because wow. that's just what people often need. Um, but if we have to do a ton for some reason, uh, well, then it's just a really inexpensive price. And so mm. it doesn't cost us mu very much to do that. So we just try and strip away those costs um, and, and put the value in the membership and just leave it at that. And uh, that's, that's kind of what we do. So it sure. makes a very straightforward uh, sort of exchange. And I love it. Yeah, well, um, I love hearing kind of like the behind the scenes, um, the the story behind the story. Mm -hmm. And um would love to understand like how you kind of got into this sure. practice, yeah. like introduced, you know, you went through a traditional medical school mm -hmm. and kind of how that all transpired sure. to where you are today. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind sharing yeah, sure. with you. I'll back up a couple of little steps um, and then tell you how I, the epiphany moment, mm -hmm. as it were, there were several, but really started looking for direct primary care as a solution. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in undergraduate, my, the end of my first semester in undergraduate, um, I'm, you know, taking some final exams for some class. I don't even remember what class it was, and I just needed a break. And so me and one of my roommates from UT, we went out to the chimneys and hiked the chimneys and a literally just standing up there, one of my favorite spots, and uh, praying, asking, Lord, where would you lead me? Mm. And uh, quite frankly, as clear as a, as a bell, I heard, go be a doctor. Mm. And that, that's what I needed to go do. And it, it, was, it was crystal clear from that moment on that this is what he created me to do. Um, not too long after that, I actually saw uh, an older movie, uh, Chariots of Fire. I mean, everybody's like, hopefully <laughs> seen that but but you know eric liddell in that mm -hmm. in that movie and uh, he talks about uh talking to with his fiance about going to be a missionary to china but also running in the olympics he says you, you know god made me for china but he also made me fast and mm -hmm. when i run i feel his pleasure and that's exactly what medicine is for me mm. um and so my I, i'm i'm built to do this and i can't do anything else because that's what he's created me to do so um, so that was a process, and so we everything shifted in that. I mean, I'm sort of been always been science based, so I've always been moving in that direction. But it shifted that that was going to be the end goal. So uh, towards the end of uh, undergraduate, I'm involved in a, a local college ministry, Reform University Fellowship, mm -hmm. fantastic group. I learned a lot. I hope, hope other folks did through that as well. But um, really decided that I wanted to study scripture more. I wanted to have more sort of standardized theology understanding you know and, and study of that and i knew once i got on the the medical train there was no there, there's no stopping that you can't pause anywhere along sure. the way so uh, i really applied to medical school and wanted to get in and, and also applied to seminary and and was going to get in the medical school and take a deferment and then be able to come back around and 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 get back into medical school uh, as the lord would have it i didn't get into medical school mm -hmm. and so i got on the wait list and so i was accepted but there wasn't a spot and so i went on to seminary not too big of a deal because I was going to take a break anyway. And in the process of, of getting enrolled in seminary, I went to St. Louis at Covenant Theological Seminary. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that process, um, one of the admission counselors came to me and he says, you know, there's actually this scholarship fund that's available to folks that are studying for a degree that have been through RUF. And if you do that and stay two years, it's actually cheaper than one year just to stay for a graduate certificate. Mm, wow. I think oh my goodness, I could stay two years and get a degree. And although the degree is not important and the letters aren't important, but uh, I love to study, you mm -hmm. know? And so, um, so I stayed for two years and got a master's in arts and theology there. And um, then I came back around and applied to medical school again and uh, got waitlisted at Memphis a second time and was fairly devastated over that, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, you really had a lot of soul searching about what am I supposed to do, but 
there wasn't there wasn't much of a pause to say, God's made me for medicine. I've got to go. Mm-hmm. And so August rolls around. School's starting soon. It doesn't look very hopeful. I'm stand, sitting at my desk to write my personal statement for the third time, trying to figure out what to say different. And what, what do I say this time around that I haven't said the first two times to try and get in? And uh, I get a phone call from the dean of students. Uh, that was a Wednesday, and he said school starts Monday if you can be here. So I moved on Saturday, and there you go. So um, so went to school in Memphis, uh, loved it, uh, loved what I did. Um, and, uh, and, and then residency, I, I always had a hard time deciding where to settle in and what to study who to take care of, Mm -hmm. because in my mind, the physician always took care of everybody. And so as I went through medical school, I realized I like everybody. I like pregnant people as long as I'm not having to deliver that baby. So, um, (laughs) so uh, what I studied, what I went on into residency for was internal medicine, pediatrics, a combined uh, residency program. So as a four-year program in Lexington, Kentucky, and so double boarded in both of those uh, these days and moved back here in 2006. Um, In medical school, you get a chance to do rotations around, and, um, and so I had a chance to do a rotation here in Knoxville with uh, Dr. Alsop at Trinity Medical Associates, and I had a habit of talking to all the physicians that I would run into, community physicians, physicians I grew up with, physicians in my church, and, um, and I always ask them the same question. Once I realized what I was made to do, I'd ask them the same question, and that is, would you do it again? All of them said no. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. Um, mm-hmm. So talked with some really well-known sort of um, uh, folks here in the community, and they're like, no, I wouldn't do it again. With all wouldn't the hassle, medicine. wouldn't do it again. With all the hassle, with all the paperwork, yeah. EMRs were non-existent at that point. Mm-hmm. With all the paperwork, with all the reimbursement hassles, everything that was going wrong with medicine, I wouldn't do it again. Like, shoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so really kind of frustrated, and then I found Dr. Alsop. Mm-hmm. And we're standing in a room one time. We had just seen this lady that had blown out her knee and we were taking care of that. And, and, uh, she had an ACL tear as it turned out. And so I just paused and I said, Hey, Dr. Alsop, would you do this again? And he looked at me and he goes, well, I'd have to. I was like, well, why would you have to? And he goes, God made me for this. And so he was the first guy that I ran into that I realized had, was purpose built like I was. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the whole practice was Dr. Purdue there and Dr. Green at the time. Um, with, they, with other physicians, you don't mind me asking, or do you know if um, certain reasons why they would ex- actually say they wouldn't do it again. You say kind of the well, EMR. Yeah, well, they all listed just the hassle of it, the hassle, the hassle factor of it. It just wasn't worth it. Um, you know, there's too much work involved and too little reward, mm-hmm. however they defined it. And mm-hmm. I don't know. So, um, you know, they would talk about the paperwork burden or they would talk about the insurance burden or they would talk about this or something else. Um, but for them, it wasn't worth it because their reward wasn't big enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what that reward in their eyes was, but sure. it just wasn't there. But with Dr. Alsip and Dr. Bardu and Dr. Green, it was, Different. I'm, I'm doing this for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And, and all the rest of it has to be acceptable because this is what I have to do. And their practice was really built on, um, you know, taking care of the whole person. Uh, there's a physician, uh, John Turnier, who's written a lot about uh I don't know exactly his, his time frame. Most of his books, uh, if I'm remembering the dates right, like 50s and 60s, but wrote a lot about medicine to the whole person, taking mm-hmm. care of the whole person and the whole family, spiritual aspects, emotional, physical aspects, all as one. And so Trinity always had a big push on nutrition. We've taught nutrition to our patients for 25 years since the beginning. Uh, we've become involved in biblical counseling to help with the spiritual side. Um, you know, there's a kind of a joke in the office that, insomnia is not defined as the absence of Ambien, the most commonly prescribed sleeping pill. You know, it's, you know, when you come in and you can't sleep, it's not because you're missing your Ambien. There may be other issues involved. Sure. Ambien's fine, but 
Sometimes there are other issues. Mm-hmm. And so we see in Scripture quite a bit Jesus waking up early. And what did he go do? Well, he went and prayed. And perhaps maybe sometimes our sleep disturbances are, that's the appropriate answer sure. as well. So so it was, a, it was a place that we could engage in that and talk with our patients through that and in a respectful way, you know, present our worldview and help them. Yeah. And, um, and so they, you know, we did a lot of nutrition, uh, a lot of biblical counseling. We started into uh, um, exercise and wellness, and we opened up a gym here in town called Vital Signs over in Hardin Valley. And then uh, in about probably 2014 or so, I had a guy come in, and um, he was self-pay. And he had a seizure disorder, and he had gone off his medicine because it was too expensive, and he couldn't see the neurologist to get things taken care of, mm-hmm. and just real common story, lost his insurance for one reason or another, and needed to restart a medicine. And I'm not a neurologist, I'm not a seizure expert, but there are certain seizures that are relatively straightforward to manage, and this was one of them, and mm-hmm. I knew the right medicine for it. But the right medicine required to make sure his liver was functioning appropriately. And so I went and looked and said, okay, I really got to do this blood test for you. And... um and so, you know, this is, I think this is really necessary so we can use this medicine and, and kind of get things under control. And he said, well, how much is it? So I went and looked it up because I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Looked it up and it was $150. And it's like, oh, $150 for this test. There's no way this mm-hmm. is what it is. And that was just the retail going price. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think, and you know, honestly, that now that I think about it, that had to have been probably more like 2012. Okay. Um, but anyway, so I went and started working with my billing department and said, okay, if I buy this lab test from the company directly, if I buy it wholesale, what's my cost? Mm-hmm. It's $1.70. And so I was able to just go back in the room and said, hey, man, it's on me. I'll take care of this one, you know? And so we got the, the lab test. We got figured out it was okay. Got them started on therapy. And it really just, as a, as a practice, we became increasingly frustrated with the reimbursement model. Mm-hmm. Prices are wholly irrelevant except to a cash payer. Mm-hmm. Nobody pays the cash, the retail price except the cash payer because all insurances have negotiated something else. So one of the first steps our practice did was in 2014, we, uh, we kind of joked about it. My, my uh, office manager, Leah Parker, was instrumental in leading the charge on this one. And she said, you know, we really want to standardize these prices. So let's go about it this way. So she designed a plan, and we kind of joke about it. It's called the Fairness Act of 2014. Well, we went through and we said, okay, the average insurance company is going to pay us, say, $80 for a procedure or a test or something. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to make the charge $100. So we're going to make reimbursement 80% of our charge. So we're just going to re- reset all of our charges across the board. And what we then offered was any cash payer that came in, we'd get that $100 charge. You pay me in full at the time of visit, you get 20% off. Mm-hmm. I'll, give you, I'll give you the same $80. So everybody pays the exact same thing. And we still have that in place now. So in, in my mind, I think we're the most economical and fair walking clinic or sure. primary care office in town. I don't know anybody that does this. Um, but it, it, we wanted to t- keep taking it a step further. Mm-hmm. And we really wanted to get past the idea of insurance companies and administrative um, bureaucrats being able to say you can or cannot have this on things that are really inexpensive. Mm-hmm. So uh, Medicare has long talked about stopping paying for the PSA. And they don't just say, we're not going to reimburse for it. We're going to make it. We're going to penalize you if you do it. And they don't actually do this, but there's been a lot of conversation mm-hmm. about it. That test costs $3. So why would I penalize somebody $10,000 instead of just saying, hey, man, if you want a PSA, go buy it yourself. Mm-hmm. But Medicare doesn't work that way. You can't buy it yourself. You're not allowed to. And so we really started looking at alternative payment models I did in particular and uh, developed the business model for direct primary care. What at the time it didn't have a name 
and, but has since nationwide has become known as the direct primary care movement. And so, um, and that's, that's where like most of the, the direct primary care Alliance and most of the conferences are listed as that. A lot of people will mistake it for concierge medicine because mm-hmm. it's a membership based and you pay mm-hmm. extra whether or not you have insurance and these types of things. Um, the standard concierge practice, if we're going to really group them, is um, it's really more of a hybrid model. You pay $1,600, $1,800 extra per year as a retainer fee, and the physician still bills your insurance. We don't do that. We don't bill insurance at all. My only client is my patient. That's it. I don't get any reimbursement, any payment from anybody else. And so in one sense, I, it's like a single-party payer system. I have about 500 single-party payers, mm-hmm. you know. And so, but it, it just keeps that transaction incredibly transparent, incredibly direct, and cheap. And it's the only way when, when, when we buy things, economically speaking, it's the only force in economics, in my opinion, that does two things simultaneously – lowering the cost and raising the value. Mm-hmm. So you can you can raise the value in all sorts of different ways, but that generally drives up cost. You can lower the cost by stick or by carrot. You can force people to, you know, to to charge less or things like that. But people usually respond when they're offering a service or a good by lowering the value. Only when you have to give the product or give the service to the person who's paying you do you both simultaneously lower the cost as low as you can make it to make it palatable to them and raise the value for them. So you want to do both things simultaneously. Sure. And that's what I love about direct primary care is I know exactly what the cost of everything I do is. And so I can, I can make it affordable for folks and, um, and at the same time do whatever it takes to bring value to them so that I keep them as a, as a patient sure. and, and make sure that I'm meeting their medical needs. So with um, so the direct part mm-hmm. of the primary care is pretty much saying we're, we're bypassing mm-hmm. insurance. Yeah. Yeah, and so most looks, most stuff in primary care is super expensive. So one of the analogies that I use is, um, well, I mean, it's like car insurance. You know, if you if you have car insurance, you, you really don't want your car insurance provider paying for your gas because mm-hmm. if you know if State Farm started to pay for you know controlled where I bought gas, they would say, well, you can only go to Weigel's or you can only go to Food City or you can only go to Costco, and then there would be some change in market so so say they say you can only go to Weigel's we've got a contract with Weigel's they're your preferred gas vendor mm-hmm. you've got to go there well there's probably going to be a copay for the higher tiered gas if you want that or not you know we have only bought the low low grade stuff for you and then Weigel's says well why do I need to attract customers through 16 different varieties of coffee and donuts and clean restrooms and a bright lit safe environment I don't need to do any of that State Farm's going to bring them to me uh, maybe I'll kind of cut a few corners here and I'm going to lower the service quality because I'm guaranteed a buyer. And we don't have any choice because we've already bought it. Mm-hmm. And so now we're buying the product, we're paying for the administrative costs of the insurance company and getting less quality of a product. All the things we don't want to do. So things that are really inexpensive, just go buy. It's always Just buying something is always the cheapest way to buy something. Is If you buy something through somebody else, it's always more expensive. And you know, home mortgage is a great example of that. If you ever look at the amortization tables, how much are you going to pay over time? It's huge. So just to go buy something. So in primary care, so much of that stuff is so cheap. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people say, well, what about insurance? Why, why doesn't insurance help me out with that? It can, but for most folks, they have such a high deductible. They may have a two to $5,000 deductible. Mm-hmm. And an average person is not going to spend $2,000 at the primary care doctor's office. Mm-hmm. You know, they, even if they're sickly, even if they have a lot of diabetes and, and manage things, they're not going to spend $2,000 worth of goods and services there. 
And so we can go to the primary care doctor and we can spend insurance-based rates or we can go to the primary care doctor and, and spend less. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter if you have insurance or not. And the flip side of that is since I'm not bound by, you know, sort of as a widget factory, I've got to see more people because mm-hmm. each click gets me something. Sure. Um, then I'm free to, to kind of change my time structure. So my standard office visit is 30 minutes. Uh, new patients and physicals are always an hour. Um, and then I can engage with folks in any manner I want to. So I took care of today, I probably had three or four people that I managed remotely that otherwise would have needed an office visit to take care of. Mm. Wrote a, an appropriate prescription, managed a particular rash, you know, these types of things. It can I'll do that remotely and securely. You guys do a video, like kind of telehealth through video too? Yeah, I don't do you... a whole lot of video because mm. I don't like looking at myself online. Okay. So, you know, but I do a lot of email. And so we do okay. things secure. I've got a HIPAA compliant email. And so uh, kids got a rash, send me a, a couple of you know, pictures that mm. are all appropriate and things like that. And we can manage that sort of stuff or you know, if there's a question, I just pick up the phone and call people. Mm. The best medicine's always done face-to-face. And so anytime I get the opportunity, I'm going to look you in the eye and take care of you. That's sure. the best way to go about it. But not everything needs that. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of things that are just very basic that are that when you know the patient well, you know them by name, you know the things that are going on. It's just pretty easy to do that. It's pretty easy to manage those things. So um, that's a big part of how kind of how the direct primary care is different. Definitely recognize it's not for everybody. I'm not saying we, we're going to revolutionize primary care and never have the other option. Because um, Trinity still offers a standard insurance-based fee-for-service practice, which is great. But the, the direct primary care offers the opportunity for patients who either want a different experience. You know, the average visit in the United States for an adult is down to eight minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's just not enough time. It's certainly, if you're not going to you can start, start talking about you know, the dietary guidelines that the federal government have put out for the last 35 years are all wrong, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Or let me talk to you about high-intensity interval training and how not to hurt yourself or anything else that's kind of a complex issue. You can't do that in eight minutes, and so you need more time. So, But we offer uh, insurance-based care through the main practice at our Fort Sanders West location. We also have an office in Maryville. But in Hardin Valley, where I practice, and also in Maryville, we have direct primary care offices. Uh, for those that that meets their need and, sure. and we continue to grow and yeah when you um you talk about it, it's not you know it's not the best fit for everybody mm-hmm. is there somebody like uh how would you categorize like an individual or somebody who you say this sounds like it would be a good fit for you oh, like yeah. how would you kind of describe that so there, there's two two questions i usually ask when mm-hmm. people are learning about it and they want an honest assessment about this is good for them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we offer free meet and greets. Anybody that wants to schedule an appointment with me and talk about the program, come on in. It's completely free. I'll sit down 30 minutes with you and, awesome. and chat. If you want to come in and say, how would, how would you manage my health concerns? Mm-hmm. That's a very private conversation. We'll go behind closed doors in the exam room. We'll spend 60 minutes. And I do that for $60. And if you, if you decide to join uh, within 30 days after that, that $60 is applied towards membership. So you're not out anything, but we really want people to have that opportunity. But when people ask me, you know, who, you know, would this program really work for me or not? There's always mm-hmm. two questions. One is, um, how much do you like where you get your, your primary care now? And how much health care do you need? That's kind of the same question. Mm-hmm. If you love what's going on and, and you're not paying more than you want to for it, then don't change. Mm-hmm. I don't want to steal anybody away. You, know, you, you stick with the person that you trust because that's more important than anything else. If you need a lot of health care and you're spending a lot of health care in the primary care world, I, I, 
that's where direct primary care really comes into play. Mm-hmm. So the more you spend and the more often you need primary care, the, the better savings I can give you and the better experience that you're going to have, sure. you know, as far as that goes. Um, you know, somebody goes to the doctor every three years for their physical. I mean, I'm, you can't beat free because that physical is going to be free through insurance. And mm-hmm. so I can't, I can't save you any money there. Right. But you've got somebody who has a, some, you know, maybe some chronic health concerns, a, a metabolic syndrome, a diabetic, uh, somebody who just wants to, to learn about how to eat better or how to exercise differently and they want to talk through things. Somebody who just wants to be sort of the boss of their own health care. And, uh, and they want somebody to sit down and say, um, I need an, you know, it always feels sort of arrogant to say this, I need an expert in the field to help me understand what this decision will will mean for me. So mm-hmm. they come in and we spend 30 minutes talking about doing this or doing that and why and decision-making and the best evidence that I have for or against whatever they're, and then they get to go and decide what they want to do. So mm-hmm. patient, patient autonomy is really returned in this world. It was a big thing in medical school to talk about patient autonomy. Patients get to decide for themselves. Competent adults get to decide for themselves their mm-hmm. own medical care. And that just doesn't happen sometimes in insurance-based care sure. because the insurance says no. And as long as they've got the purse strings, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or the physician doesn't have time to actually educate. Like how yeah. can the general public make yeah. a good decision for their health yeah. when they don't have good information to yeah. make that decision? Yeah. So I see um, it as my job. You know, I think a lot about analogies and in, in the way God's wired me. So I think about if you look at some of those old um, sort of like old uh, – like European countries, and they'd have the king or the queen sitting up there, and they'd be the sort of the, the, the wise men off to the side in long robes and staffs. I'm one of those guys. I'm just a counselor for, for most patients, mm-hmm. helping them understand their decisions, helping them understand their path, giving them guidance. Yeah. They can choose to accept it or they can ignore it, and that's all okay. Mm-hmm. And so, and move forward, I definitely have very strong opinions. I, I can generate an opinion about anything. I'm, I'm gifted at that. But, um, you know, the idea is, is that, that patients get to make that decision mm-hmm. and walk forward and um, how much they follow that decision or not completely up to them. I want to be there and, and walk with them as long as they want me there. Sure. And um, I'd imagine most people's experience in primary care is like you said, that eight minute visits where, mm-hmm. you know, the physician, physician is kind of handcuffed to the time and so what practice becomes more of just, you know, writing uh, referrals or yeah. prescriptions. Yeah. And it really is. It's one of those things that I guarantee you there are very few physicians out there that like that model. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. going back to you talking about the physicians who said they wouldn't do it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. yeah, if it, if it boils yeah. down to, you know, eight minutes and mm-hmm. just writing prescriptions, like I don't, I don't see how that would be yeah. that satisfying for many people. You know, Doctor Alsop, he's one of the founding partners of the practice, and he's known for running an hour and a half late. And the reason he runs an hour and a half late is because he doesn't take eight minutes, mm-hmm. and so he spends the time necessary for each patient. And yet, his schedule is full every single day for patients that have been his patients for twenty years, mm-hmm. because they don't want to go anywhere else. They know that even though he's going to be an hour and a half late, and that can be a little frustrating, he's going to spend the time to take care of them and whatever it takes. And so. I would say that most physicians out there, primary care physicians, they love taking care of their patients. They would love to spend more time. But yeah. since they don't really control that financial back end of things, mm-hmm. there's still an office that has to run, and there's still mortgages that have to be paid. And that They answer yeah. insurance, right? Insurance dictates how they have to yeah. deliver care. Yeah. So you could literally, in the insurance-based world, you could literally charge $10,000 for a strep test, and it doesn't matter. You could ch- charge 500 to 10000 or $5.00 doesn't matter. Your reimbursement stays exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And so and when that occurs, you realize you've lost all control. You've lost all power. 
Mm-hmm. And and for a patient to change an insurance company is is dramatic because most insurances are tied to their jobs, mm-hmm. and so you've got to change jobs. You got to work somewhere else, yeah. and then even that may not be different because there's not a lot of different insurers out there. So, now, would you say most of your patients have insurance? About sixty to seventy percent of them have insurance. Okay, yeah. only about thirty of them, thirty percent of them are are really uninsured. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a mix in there that, that have cost-sharing programs that like Samaritan's Ministry and sure. Liberty Direct and so forth. Health share. Yeah, the health share program. So it's technically uninsured. So you're uninsured, but you are exempt from like the ACA tax that's, mm-hmm. that runs out at the end of this year. And, um, and the premiums or the shares are dramatically less. So they're usually kind of rough estimate is about one-third what an insurance premium would be uh, for the same individual. So if mm-hmm. you've got it, $1,200 or $1,600 for a family, you're looking for, you know, about 400 bucks or so for a family to, to be covered. And and from a practical standpoint, really good coverage. You know, we, a lot of bills get taken care of. That sure. Way. That's what um our family's on a health share oh, yeah. program. So yeah, um, it's been uh, being a small business, you know, for myself, you look at the rates, like you said, for, you know, going, you know, for paying for a, a plan of yeah. Blue Cross and it's like, man, this yeah. Afford it. The, the health sharing ministries and the cost sharing programs dovetail with direct primary care exceedingly well because they generally mm-hmm. don't cover small things. So less than $300 per instance or $500 mm-hmm. or something. And for one of them, Liberty Direct, they even used to partner with direct primary care programs and pay some of that membership. Mm-hmm. Um, they've since pulled that back out because they realized that, that was just a little bit acting like a third party insurer again, because mm-hmm. they were taking money from the patient and giving it to a practitioner and they said, no, 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 wait, we really want the patient to be the center. And so they pulled back and said, we'll help you with this, but you send us the bill, talking to the patient. And so now the whole system revolves around the patient, which is exactly the way it's supposed to. Everybody ought to be beholden to the patient because that they're the center. They're, they're the reason we exist. There's a guy, Rob Lamberts, who's a MedPeats physician out of Augusta. He transitioned to uh, direct primary care a couple years before us. Mm-hmm. And, He's a prolific writer and blogger. Uh, he loves llamas, but, uh, you know, and he writes a lot about llamas. It's really funny. He's a great guy. Went and met him last year. But one of the things he wrote in about 2015 was that um, patients have, have literally become only the raw resources used in the medical machinery complex that, that allows for the system to go. Their, their purpose is to generate an ICD-10 code and, and enough documentation to get a reimbursement. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's a very crass way to look at it, and, and he meant it that way. But it, it really has changed that dynamic such that we're not there. The system has been corrupted to a degree. It's not broken completely, but it's corrupted so that it's hard to see the reason why you're there, which is my patient's need. Let me stop and look at that again. Let me find that sure. and let me fix that as best as I can. Mm-hmm. And. And, and try not to worry about the reimbursement or the cost of these things, because if you do that well, it tends to work out okay. Right. And it sounds like your perspective on that isn't just go to the pen and paper and writing a prescription, but, you know, you have time to work through mm-hmm. the education piece of helping yeah. people understand right. the consequences or, you know, how their decisions, their healthy decisions right. or, or not healthy decisions affect right. In our practice, we have, uh, you know, we talk about pillars of health. And I, I use the, the sort of the analogy, there's three pillars of good health, mm-hmm. nutrition, exercise, and sleep in that order. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four would be medicines. And as an internist and pediatrician, I feel like I've failed if you've made it to the surgeon. 
<laughs> no disrespect, but that's just a joke between that's us. That's so, how yeah. I believe, too, being yeah. in physical therapy. Exactly, yes. Yeah. a lot of surgery. you got to keep them out of surgery. So mm-hmm. I love my surgeon friends, but, sure. um, you know, so, but food is the issue. And, and it's, a dumb, it's a dumb analogy, but, you know, there's a little purple pill that helps heartburn. And I can write a lot of little purple pills, mm-hmm. but if you keep going to the Mexican buffet, I'm going to run out of purple pills. We've got to change that. But on the same side, not everybody who chooses well is going to be free of heartburn. And some of them may still need the little purple pill, and it is a life-saving, cancer-saving drug. And so there's a, there's, you have to spend time to understand that. You can't just simply say medicines are bad or medicines are the only answer. You have to say there's this process, good nutrition, sure. good exercise, good sleep. Well, with, um, with just a few more things, and then before mm-hmm. we wrap up, one, I guess you mentioned that you're the number one of part of the pillar is nutrition. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe just briefly, like, what's your view on um, nutrition? If you can keep that kind of brief, <laughs> sure, you could. We could have a whole another episode yeah. on nutrition. Maybe we'll need to have one. But yeah. So um, um, let me put it this way. So my biochemistry professor. So I was introduced to the Eads Protein Power Plan in medical school by what? Uh, Michael and um, I forgot his wife's name. They're physician, the physician couple, and they wrote the Protein Power Plan. Okay. Uh, Eads, E-A-D-E-S. Yeah. And um, back in, that would have been in 98 or 99, something like that. One of my uh, colleagues, upperclassmen, a good friend of mine from undergraduate said, hey, this is a, this is a good book. Mm-hmm. You probably ought to look at this. So I'm reading this book and I'm thinking about it and I'm going to biochemistry with Dr. Jones who was staunchly opposed to carbohydrate restriction. He loved the food pyramid and thought that was awesome. <laughs> and so he taught us biochemistry and he taught us, you know, all the reactions and everything. And he also loved nutrition. So he would talk about, he would teach our nutrition class. And we actually had a great nutrition class. A lot of, I've heard a lot of physicians talk about not getting much nutrition. We had a ton of nutrition. Mm-hmm. And um, so he would teach that, but I would, I would say, well, you're telling me I ought to eat this stuff over here, but if I plug that into your biochemical pathway, won't I get diabetes? Won't I have heart disease? I mean, is that not the logical outcome of that? How, that doesn't make sense. And so there was just this disconnect. confusion, discon- mm-hmm. disconnect there. And so I started into that and started reading, and, and more stuff got it start getting written. Um, and then, of course, at Trinity, it's a, it's a big part of our culture and it has been for a long time about appropriate carbohydrate restriction. So that simply put, there are three macronutrients. There are carbohydrates, also known as sugars. So carbohydrates are trees. Sugars are the stack of firewood. That's the best way to analogize those. Mm-hmm. But carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, those are the three macronutrients. God made it such that if you never eat another carbohydrate again, you still get to live. But if you stop eating protein and you stop eating fat, you'll die of malnutrition. Mm. And, and there's no, um, it's assuming a normal genetically person, sure. there's certainly exceptions, but... The idea is is that we need oxygen, we need water, we need protein, we need fat. Carbohydrates aren't bad. It's not like we should never eat them again, mm-hmm. but they're not necessary. And when they're not necessary, that means zero intake is a possibility. And then we have to decide what's the upper limit. And that's discernment. That's mm-hmm. wisdom. And you got to figure that out. Where am I on the spectrum? So if somebody says, well, how much sunlight should you get? Well, it's a, that's a wide range. You know, mm-hmm. if you've had a couple melanomas and basal cells and, and you're fair-headed, fair, you know, fair-skinned and so forth, you probably shouldn't get a whole lot, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, so, so people are on that spectrum of different things. And so part of my job is to help figure out where they're on that spectrum and tell them and encourage them, these are how many carbohydrates you should get. 
So I'm an advocate for a low carbohydrate, high fat diet, gotcha. you know, sort of on the far end of that spectrum is a ketogenic diet mm-hmm. um, and uh, keeping those carbohydrates under restriction. And that being said is that, you know, when it's appropriate time to celebrate, let's eat some good food. My daughter made some fantastic blueberry muffins the other day and I ate a few of them, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's not like it's a mortal sin, sure. but it's what's the goal that we are achieving. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm trying to lose weight and control my diabetes, that's not going to happen on pancakes and muffins. Mm-hmm. It's just not, doesn't matter how low fat cholesterol they may be. That's not how it works. So mm-hmm. I've got to cut out the carbohydrates. I've got to cut out the sugars if I want to make that change. And so we have a, a couple diet. We have a dietitian. We have a couple nutritional counselors on staff, and we've got a whole ten week program called Vital Launch that allows patients to walk through mm. the nutritional exercise and the nutrition and the exercise in a small group class that allows them to understand that training modality and, and what does it take to make change? Because you can't, you know, even if you eat well for a couple months, there's still a couple years ahead of you of needing to eat well sure. for most of us. So. Yeah, and I think uh, we were talking before we started recording about an uh, individual who um, diet was the big piece. Yeah, and, you know, so coming up with his knee pain and yeah, so is it, it, to, I love the story because he, he really kind of sparks a lot of hope for lots of folks because he was a guy who's a couple hundred pounds overweight. Uh, he was uh, sort of late middle age, and he came in to see me. I'd met him before, but didn't know him for very long. Sure. And I saw him, and he came in for a preoperative clearance, and so. The orthopedic surgeon sends him to the intern. Knee replacement. Yeah, to, to say, hey, he's going to go under the knife. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we can do to make him make that process safer? Not mm-hmm. the surgery, but fewer heart attacks and strokes and complications and mm-hmm. things like that. So we go through this very, pretty thorough evaluation and, and figure out, is there anything else we can do? Do we need to tune up his blood pressure or get him to stop smoking? So that was the visit was for. And, mm-hmm. and he was pretty straightforward. He was on his, the standard five drugs, a drug for blood pressure, a drug for cholesterol, had a drug for reflux, uh, heartburn disease, a drug for the arthritis in his knees and such, and erectile dysfunction. And it's really common. Mm-hmm. And so we started talking about how to lose weight and carbohydrate restriction. I started broaching that topic and kind of testing the waters, honestly. And he turns and looks at me and basically says, so I can be healthier. I can lose weight. All I've got to do is count carbohydrates. I said, well, yeah, that, that's it. And, and he's the owner of a, was the owner of a fast food chain here in town. And mm-hmm. so he said, you know, I count things all day long. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And he did. And so over time we would see him, he got plugged in with our nutritional program, ended up losing over a hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, he kept his knees, his original knees. He never went underneath the knife. And, um, awesome. and so came off all of his medications. He, and quickly, so the blood pressure is always the first one to go. It's mm-hmm. super easy to come off blood pressure medicine especially when you're only on one, the cholesterol medicine changed dramatically. The reflux disappears usually mm-hmm. almost within a couple of weeks. It's amazing. Um, and then his, since he wasn't weighing as much, his knees didn't hurt as bad. And then of course, blood flow gets better and his erectile dysfunction improved. Mm-hmm. He did eventually go back on some reflux medicine down the road. And that's just, um, you know, we don't go back to the original body we were given. We go back to the body that's been used all of our life. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's kind of, you don't always get it back to perfect, sure. but I took care of him for a couple of years and then he went before he retired, he came back and saw me and we chatted for a little bit and, um, he moved to the beach and he's mm-hmm. loving life the last time I heard. So mm-hmm. uh, with his knees and right. I just, I love that. And and so we have a, a couple of boards at my, our main office that we help celebrate. It's, um, it's kind of our version of a biblical Ebenezer, you know, the Israelites mm-hmm. would set up the stones and it would tell the story Well, we would invite patients to sign these boards for certain accomplishments and, and people who normalize their certain numbers, like their blood sugars or their blood pressure, people who came off medications, people mm-hmm. who reversed a diagnosis, they no longer had diabetes, they no longer had high blood pressure. 
mm-hmm. and, uh, and people who lost weight. And so we would get a little check mark and he signed all four of them. He's one of our early ones. And it's just, it's an exciting time. I've, I, I've used those boards to encourage lots of folks yeah. and, um, and try to, you know, we, we put them in a public area and uh, because it's their signature, there's no HIPAA compliance involved. You know, it's, um, it's all voluntary. And you don't get on there with game shows and gimmicks or sure. surgeries. You get on there from hard work. But patients that come to the office get to see that yeah. and say, look at all these people that did They're it. They're doing it. And They're doing it. Maybe I can, I can do, it. do it too. There's mm-hmm. no magic there. There's no, there's no anything. Yeah. It's hard work. And once they do it, it's great. I've yeah. got one of my patients on there was a 200-pound weight loss. And she was a 12-hour shift work at, at the hospital as a nurse, as a critical care nurse. And she'd get up early in the morning, and she'd go walking. And she'd get her best friend on the phone at 4.30 in the morning to make sure she was okay in that park going for a walk. Mm-hmm. And so she got the job done, and just super proud of that. Awesome. Yeah, I think there's something about people. You know, if, if, if somebody's in your office or my office that tells me they have a little bit of hope, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, if yeah, it's, absolutely. It's our job then to just grow that. Yeah. And, you know, something like a board or something like that, you know, different people hearing different people's stories can mm-hmm. help to grow that hope to a point that they're, they can actually believe in themselves. Yeah. So, um, well just, um, kind of wrap things up. I got four, uh, kind of quick questions, okay. quick answers. Uh, uh, the first one, this is the stay healthy Knoxville podcast. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you had to boil it down to one thing that you could tell just the general audience, what you would recommend to stay healthy. So the biggest thing is be aware of what you eat, mm-hmm. know what it is. And so, and that, that there's no implication there on, on what to eat at that point, but become consciously aware of it, just like you should be hopefully consciously aware of where you spend your money. If you went to uh, if you went to Best Buy to buy a TV and there were no price tags on there, you might not pick anything up. You might not go to the cash register and just give them your bank account and your credit card. Um, you would want to know the price of things. So find out the value of your food, reckon it and, and that's that's a big change agent right there. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so so nutrition is key. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next question is your favorite restaurant. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. So nutrition is key, but uh, <laughs> so no. So I love Nick and Jace. Uh, shout out to Nashwan and Linda there. Um, they are uh, they're great hosts, but they make uh, breakfast is one of my favorite meals of the day because it's it's so um, I think it, it can it's so easy to get a healthy breakfast in lots of different places. So mm-hmm. I love diners, especially that serve breakfast at night or whatnot, but uh, I've been going to Nick and Jay's for, I, I can't tell you how long, for a long time, and eating breakfast there on Wednesday morning. Um, so that's one of my favorite places awesome. to go. Almuts are great. I haven't I, been there, so I'll have to. I am going to throw in that uh, Little Joe's Pizza down at Watt Road at Dixie Lee Junction mm-hmm. is the best pizza on the planet. Uh, no question. Some, every once in a while, I got to have some pizza. Man, that is so good. <laughs> so, um, you know, those are, those are really great places for me to eat. Yep. There's local places, folks that I know well, and I love it. All right. Well, um. So the next one is your favorite place in Knoxville that you haven't been, that you'd like to go explore, something kind of knock off the list. Oh, um, you know, so there's some stuff that there's, so I, I live in, in around West Knoxville. Knoxville. Yeah, so I live, I live in, in West Knoxville, I live in Harlan Valley area, mm-hmm. got kids out here. And so we kind of stay out this way. So we don't get downtown quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so over the last years, I know that they've done a lot downtown, you know, the uh, mountain bike park and. Just things. I've been to Iams and a lot of places down there in the quarry. I just wish I could get out there more often. I think that would be a lot more fun mm-hmm. um, to do that, to, to get down that way. But life gets busy sometimes and don't always make it. Awesome. Well, um, and then the last question is your favorite, like if you're doing something outdoors around Knoxville, East Tennessee, uh, where would you go? Yeah, hiking or backpacking. Anywhere yeah. specific? Um, so... 
Um, you know, the Chimneys has been one of my favorite trails for a long time. Honey Creek uh, Loop up in Big South Fork is probably maybe two, you know, second. It's just a beautiful little loop. Those are all little day trips. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually finding something that I haven't done before. Yeah, uh, I love exploring new places. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so we're looking at going to uh, South Cumberland uh, State Park. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there, but Savage Gulf. Yeah, um, that is. And Greeter um, Falls. Savage Gulf is a cool place. Yeah, so so I uh, read about it uh, not too long ago, and we're trying to hit all the state parks anyway. So mm-hmm. the, in this area, that's kind of what I would go do, is I'd go spend some time in the mountains and, awesome. and enjoy. Awesome. Well, um. Anybody that wants to find some more information about you or um, connect with you, what's the best way to yeah. do that? There's two easy ways to do that. we got a great website, uh, Trinity, direct primary care, trinitydpc.com uh, is an easy way. My email and phone number is on there, as All is right. Dr. Hone, my partner out in Maryville. She runs the direct primary care clinic out there. Uh, just to mention that members of our direct primary care program can see either of us. So there are certain things that Dr. Hone's really good at and certain things that I'm better at. And so patients can go back and forth. So mm. it's pretty easy. But trinitydpc.com is one. Okay. My office number in Hardin Valley is 244-1800. Super easy to remember. And just give me a phone call and, and we can connect. All right. Awesome. Well, if you guys have any questions about um, direct primary care, reach out to Dr. McCall. Thank you for coming on the episode here. It's um, great to hear about your practice and how you're serving just a unique uh, piece of medicine and offering just a level of service that isn't common um, around Knoxville, around East Tennessee, probably around the country, yeah. just not people's normal experience with um, primary care. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I so appreciate the opportunity to be here and speak with you and all that you've done for us and our family. Thank all you. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Stay Healthy Knoxville podcast brought to you by Simply Physio. If your pain is preventing you from staying healthy and active and you'd like to avoid surgery, pain medicine, or just want to get back to doing the things you love in and around Knoxville, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the next best steps for resolving it. Find our ebooks online at simplypt.com/health-tips. There you will find ebooks for topics such as neck and shoulder pain, lower back and hip pain, knee pain, and TMJ. These quick-to-read reports will provide you with expert tips, tricks, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit simplypt.com health-tips to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no-obligation phone consultations with a doctor of physical therapy to Knoxville area residents. Just call us at 865 351 0615 or visit us at simplypt.com and click the talk to a PT button on the home page to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy Knoxville podcast. Stay humble.